With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome podcast. Welcome to episode 21 of the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. These weeks are absolutely flying by, right? Life is absolutely flying by. The question is, is it passing you right on by and are you wasting precious time? Or are you absolutely locked and dialed in? Now, be brutally honest with yourself. Are you present for every minute of every day? Are you completely locked in and attacking every task from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed? Now, if you're being honest with yourself, the answer is probably no. You're probably not. I know I'm not, but that obviously is the goal. And I'm trying to go as hard as I possibly can every single day for as long as I can. I'm trying to make sure that that is the standard, the new normal. Now, I know a dude who does meet that standard. It's entrepreneur, best-selling author, and all-around badass Andy Frisella. Now, let me say right off the very top. There is a lot of profanity in this particular episode, and if you find that type of language offensive, I totally get it, I understand, but if so, this is an episode that you might want to sit out. That said, I really hope that that is not the case, because my man is, as the title of his extremely popular podcast suggests, Real AF. He is a powerful dude with a powerful message and practical advice. A guy who's brought himself up by the bootstraps and is absolutely killing it in every aspect of his life. Once again, this is a very aggressive dude who uses some colorful language. And by the way, so do I. So here is your disclaimer. This episode may not be for you, but if you're in a rut and you want to get your life back, or maybe you never live the life you're capable of living, then I'm going to argue this is the guest and this is the episode for you. It's episode 21 of the Reinvention Project with guest Andy Frisella, and it's coming at you right now. So Andy, let me say this. I can't tell you how long that I've wanted to have this conversation, but then again, I actually can. If you can bear with me for a short story off the top, brother, a few months before the pandemic started, our guide Chad and our clothier David August says to me, do you know Ed Milet? And I said, no, but I want to know him. I've been trying to get to him. He says, good, because he's looking for you. I said, great. So Ed texts me. I go on his podcast and as expected, Andy, it's like this amazing experience. He's one of the best dudes ever. I love the guy immediately. I walk out of his Laguna Beach mansion and I think I checked that box. Now, how the fuck do I get to Andy Frisella? And now finally, here we are, brother. <laughs> How you doing, That's man? Right. It's great to have you on. Oh, bro, it's it's my pleasure, man. I'm excited to get I'm excited to get to do this uh, this show, bro. It is great to have you. I really appreciate that. Now, listen, you have some extremely valuable and useful advice to share with the listeners, and I'm really anxious to get to it, Andy. But first, for those who may know of you but not really know your journey per se, I want to give them a little bit of background. Take me back. Where did you grow up, and what were you like as a kid? Um, I grew up here in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, I grew up on a little gravel road called Mooney Lane. And, uh, dude, I was just a normal little little dude. I liked sports. Um, you know, we grew up uh, middle class. Um, 
played a lot of sports growing up with a little fat dude who, who ran around and, and, you know, pretended he was Bo Jackson when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, I, I always had a propensity for, for, for entrepreneurship and business. And, you know, uh, I, was, I was the kid who was selling snow cones and lemonade and baseball cars and anything I could. And, and uh, so that's kind of where I started out. And um, it just evolved from there, you know. All right, so like when you're growing up, like you've got this thing and you're working your thing. What about the other kids? Like, how did they treat you? What did they call you? What was that part like? Oh, dude, I was bullied my whole life, man. Um, you know, like I said, I was I was a fat little dude when I was when I was young, and you know, kids are mean, bro. So, you know, it was it was all the names, bro. It was, uh, you know, uh, fat ass, you know, lard ass, uh, you know, fat boy, like dude, just all the shit kids say. You know what I mean? And um, I, I, uh, I was never one that would like go home and be upset about it, but the shit always stuck. Like it stuck to my identity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, um, you know, then I, I, but the truth is, Jim, I'm thankful for that. You know what I mean? Uh, we, what we have in society right now is a, is a situation where people are, um, unable to overcome their hardships or learn from their hardships. And the truth is, you know, we have a, a company now that helps people get in shape, change their lives, you know, lose weight, get fit, all of these things, and mentally harden themselves. And all of those things come from the bullying that I had when I was a kid. So I can't really hate it too much. You know what I mean? It's kind of what drove me to be where, where I'm at today. I oh, know. I get this. I get this. Yeah. And this is why I'm trying to set this up like this. I mean, it's one thing. You're right, Andy. I mean, kids, kids are jacked up, man. Kids say yeah. mean shit. But it's one thing for kids to do it. Like, you write that... A teacher had a plan for you. In fact, you're right. Society yeah. had a plan for you. What was yeah. their plan for you? So my thing was, you know, um, dude, at school, I never did good at school. School was not something that I was uh, good at at all. And I can remember going to my guidance counselor when I was 16 years old and telling him, you know, I was a pretty decent athlete. And I said, you know, I want to, I want to try to play football at Notre Dame, or I want to try to play at uh, Texas. And the teacher looked at me, and he's like, hey, those schools are for cream of the crop, and, and you know, you're not cream of the crop, bro. And that's basically what he said to me. And I, I, I've never forgotten that, you know. Um, he told me that it really didn't matter what I scored on my ACT. Uh, he told me it didn't really matter. He said I should go to community college and, and work my way up from there. And um, – you know, that, that was the plan. And it was because specifically because I didn't get good grades. You know, I was a C student. I was a C or maybe even a D student at, at a lot of things. And um, come to find out, bro, it, was really, it wasn't that I wasn't smart. It was that I just didn't see the point in what, what they were teaching me, so I never applied myself. You know, when I figured out the purpose behind things, I started to, uh, started to get interested in learning some stuff. So. So let me ask you this, Andy. It seems to me like when you hear something like that, you could go one of two ways, right? Like you can mm-hmm. believe it and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy or you can hear it and say, you know what? Fuck you. And then you spend yeah. your life trying to shove it up their ass. Is that pretty yeah. much what you did? Yeah, bro. That's how I look at everything, man. You know, I look at it as fuel and, and that's, that's demonized right now in, in our society. You know, people say things, this, this idealistic mindset that people will say, oh, you're doing it for the wrong reasons, or you're doing, you know, you're trying to prove everybody wrong. Yeah, that's right, right motherfucker, I am. Yeah. So what, what difference does it make if the results there 
what my motivation is. You know, we, we have the, the softness of society, bro, has killed that part of motivation. And a lot of people, you know, nowadays I feel like it's more common for people just to say, yeah, you know what, <laughs> maybe I'm not cream of the crop and just kind of go take their whatever life gives them. You know, I think if we talk to enough people, everybody has a story like that that they can relate to that they can point back to and say, yeah, this, this was a time where, where I didn't have somebody believe in me. And I, I truly believe that what you just said is 100% accurate, bro. People are either going to go one way or the other way when they're presented with those kind of things. And I was lucky enough to have a dad who taught me enough about being competitive to where I was able to use those things as fuel. But, you know, not everybody has that. And so um, I try to spend my time now encouraging people like, hey, man, if these fuckers don't believe in you, fuck them, you know, because there's no magic to this, bro. You know this. This is just showing up every day and doing what you got to do. And, um, you know, that's, that's, really, that's really where my whole life comes from, you know. So. Hey, listen, do not let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or somebody like me, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. I cannot wait to talk to you about this product. Theragun is amazing. It's a handheld percussive therapy device which releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun does not just feel good, it gets right to the source of the pain by releasing tension. And it does so by using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. That's what makes it awesome. So whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, or an injury, or maybe just the stresses of everyday life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The old screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site, check it out, and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. I mean, I literally love this product. I have it, and there are times where I still can't believe it. And I'm not the only one. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid, also elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers like me and you. Here's what you should do. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com reinvention right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. Once again, check this, therabody.com reinvention. I'm telling you, I love this product. Therabody.com slash reinvention. You were a good athlete. You like being in the weight room. Your dad taught mm-hmm. you to battle and compete. How did you first get into the fitness business, and what were those early days like? Oh, man. Uh, well, it's kind of funny. I, my business partner and I, um, we, were, we play high school football together. And so we we both got into college and we were both kind of like, man, this, this really isn't for us. And we got this idea that we wanted to start a tanning salon because we knew a guy who made it, who had a tanning salon and he made a lot of money. Well, we went and uh, researched how to open a tanning salon and you know, it was like $30,000 for one bed. So we realized real quick, we didn't have $30,000. And so um, we went and started thinking about things that, 
we were into, both of us played football, both of us like lifting weights, both of us like, um, you know, the fitness lifestyle. And so we knew a guy who uh, had a nutritional supplement store. And at that time, GNC, it was really like, you know, it, and there was no independent retailers. So we decided we were just going to open up our own little store and we had $12,000 between us, man. Um, we got that money from painting the stripes on parking lots. And we, we went and we tried to find someone to rent us a, uh, a space. We couldn't find a landlord to rent to us because we had no credit and nobody to back us. And so we ended up finding this one guy who had this, like, run-down little bridal shop. Um, his name was Mark Tharp. And he said, hey, I'll rent to you guys, but you've got to pay a year's rent up front which was $1,000 a month, which wow. was all the money that we had. So we did that. We got the space with no way to build it out or inventory. And what we did was back then, you could, this was uh, 1999, you could go back on the college campuses and, you know, fill out a little application. They give you a T-shirt and you get a <laughs> credit card for like 500 bucks. Well, oh, we went I out remember. and filled out. Yeah, bro. We went out and filled out all of them. And so that's how we financed our build-out and our inventory for the first store. And so we, we built the shelves ourselves, some of our uh, friends and family helped, and we had $10,000 worth of inventory that we leveraged on credit cards, and then we decided to open the store. And our first day we had, uh, you know, we thought, because, dude, we were 19, we thought, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to be, you know, millionaires tomorrow. The first day we sold $7. The second day we sold $0. And then the third day, we sold $23. And so it took us eight months to have a day over, uh, over $200, bro. And our, uh, our, we, we didn't have a place to stay. We didn't have a, uh, uh, an apartment. We slept in the back of the first store on and off for the first two years in between places. So it was me and my business partner and the store and a bunch of vitamins. And so, you know, it, 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 was, it was humble beginnings humble beginnings so no so it, um it, it, that, it, that's kind of how we got going and you I, know we didn't have money to advertise or do anything so we went around and we we walked the streets of springfield missouri going into other businesses saying hey how you doing i'm andy i have the supp supplement superstore right down the road if you ever need anything and we did that for years man and that's how we drummed up our our clientele in springfield that's incredible. And not only that, I mean, to finish that story, not only did you sleep in the story or store, you slept, Andy, on a pissed, stained mattress. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, we got the, we got the mattress. from. So we had, a, we had uh, an old couch that we had got from one of our family members that was disgusting. And then we had a, uh, a mattress that was from the Salvation Army store that was right down the, the same retail center that had a stain on it. I'm not sure if it was piss or not, but I think it was. And so the whole thing was we were sleeping on the mattress was to not put your head on the piss stain, right? Because I, like, I didn't want to, like, fall asleep and drool a little bit, and then somehow the piss, like, work its way up my drool into my mouth. That's how I thought about it, dude. So, like, it was – the whole game was, it, you know, don't put your head on the, on the piss stain. Wow. So, yeah, man. It dude. was uh, – it was crazy, but, you know, looking back, I, I look back and I'm like, man, that was actually a lot of fun. You know, that was some of the most fun times that we had in business, even though it was some of the hardest times. Here is another product that I can't wait to talk to you about, Peloton. Now, I think you know my history with the Peloton. Long before we had a partnership on this podcast, I had a Peloton. I bought it myself. 
fell in love with the product. And that makes this partnership even more important to me. Listen, there are some activities that are just better at home. Sleeping in your own bed. Pausing movies whenever you want. Dancing like no one is watching. Then there are things that you wish you could do from the comfort of your own home. Hiking your favorite trail. The excitement of live music. What I'm saying is, there are certain things we can do from home and certain things that we can't. But with Peloton, you will have a workout experience like no other and you do not have to leave the home. Here is what sets Peloton apart from other gym and studio workouts and other home workouts. You can pick whatever music theme class you want. There are different class types to choose from. And there is an amazing community of riders and incredible instructors. Tremendous social engagement, incredibly limitless disciplines, curated music, and a seamless fit to your lifestyle. I ride my Peloton virtually every single day. I love it. And with the Peloton bike, there is nothing like working out from home. You can learn more right now at OnePeloton.com. New members can try Peloton classes for free for 30 days at OnePeloton.com slash app. Terms to apply. That's O-N-E-P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com. O-N-E-P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com. What I need to explain, Andy, I think those those who know you already know where we're going with this because they know that you are now a multi, multi, multi-millionaire and an extremely well-respected CEO and a best-selling author and the Thank guy. You. You're the guy. But we're talking – I'm trying to establish what you had to go through. There's one more thing I want to talk about before we talk yeah. about some really practical advice. There was a time where you fell face first onto a sidewalk, something really traumatic. What happened? Yeah, so – um so I was stabbed in the face, uh, three times in the face and then, uh, once in the back and it was, I was walking. So what we did to keep the store open was we worked at this bar that was right down the street from, from our store. Um, so we would work at the bar at night, wake up, go to, the, go to the store, work at the store. Um, and one night, you know, like happens at, at bars, you know, there was an altercation and it ended up with me getting stabbed in the face. Uh, I had 160 stitches in my face. I've got permanent nerve damage in my face. I mean, if you meet me in person, you're going to see it. It's not, it's not something that can be hidden. Uh, and, you know, I went, I went through a, a really dark time uh, because at that time I was, I think I was 22 or 23. And, you know, as a young man trying to make it in business, especially a retail business, you're face to face with customers every day. And so I would have people come in to the store and they would see my face and it was swollen up the size of a grapefruit for over a year. Uh, and they would look at me and they would do one of two things. You know, they would either look at the ground and not give me any eye contact at all uh, because I, I, it was very apparent disfigurement. And, or the other thing they would do, is, which I actually preferred, was they would look at me and they would say, bro, what happened to your face? And, you know, I, back then I didn't tell them what actually happened because I was embarrassed. I thought it made me look like a, a bad person. And so I would always tell people I got in a car accident. Um, but, dude, that drove me down into this place because, you know, at 23 years old, you are, you know, you're worried about girls, you're trying to establish your life. There's all these things, and it, and it just made me think, like, dude, there's no chance for me. I'm not going to make it in business. 
no girl's ever going to like me. And I drove myself into this depression, the suicidal depression, uh, with alcohol for the next, you know, year and a half. And uh, one day I was, um, I was walking through uh, an IGA grocery store that was in Springfield. Uh, it might have been Price Cutter. I can't remember, but it was one of the two. Anyway, I'm walking down the grocery store, and I was getting, uh, getting my supplies of alcohol and, and, you know, shitty food. And you know how when you come to the end of the, uh, of the grocery store aisle, sometimes, you know, there's people going perpendicular. So there was a person coming around the corner, and I was coming around the corner, and we hit carts because I was looking at the ground. And, uh, and I looked up, and I couldn't tell if this was a man or a woman. Because, it turned out to be a woman, but I couldn't tell because her face had been completely burnt off um, to the point where there was no nose. It was, it was just holes, you know, like completely gone. And um, she looks at me. She had a little bucket hat on. and She looks at me, and she goes, dude, what happened to your fucking face? Wow. And, yeah, bro. And we both busted out laughing because I, wow. I knew what she meant. She knew what I meant. And it was like an understanding immediately. And it turned, we had about a 15 minute conversation where she <clears throat> had explained to me she was in a small plane crash. All of her family had died. Um, and, you know, basically gave me some words of she could tell I was struggling. And this had happened to her many years before. And, uh, you know, it, it, I walked out of that store feeling like a dumbass, dude. Like thinking, like, God, you're really soft, bro. Like, here's somebody who's lost way more than you, who's happy, who's not self-loathing, who is not, you know, and, and so I was kind of cured of that depression instantly. And I almost started trying to look for how it benefited me. And, and, and so the, the perspective change was instant uh, from that woman. I never saw her again. I don't know who she is. I've never spoken with her again. And it was probably the most impactful 15 minutes of my entire life. Um, so much so that, like, sometimes I even asked myself if it was like a, an angel or something, you know, because it, it affected me so profoundly. Uh, I'm getting chills talking about it. it it's just something that, that I needed really bad at that time. And, um, you know, I went out and I started approaching things a little bit differently. And instead of me uh, victimizing myself and feeling like I couldn't do it, I started to look for the positive things. And one of the positive things that I noticed immediately was that everybody remembered me. So when I met people face-to-face, um, before this had happened, you know, people would say, hey, you know, have you ever met those guys from supplement superstores? And they, people would be like, oh, no, you know, I'm not sure. And after that happened, it would be, hey, do you remember those guys from supplement superstore? And they'd be like, no, I'm not sure. No, you know Andy, the guy with the scars. And so what happened was is it made me very memorable and I recognized that immediately, and I started trying to um, see that as a positive. And, and honestly, Jim, it's turned out to be one of the biggest positives in my entire life, uh, just because of that one thing. So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much and, the story. And I'm so I am so glad you shared that story. That is an amazing yeah. story, dude. Like like 
the, everything about that story is so amazing, and I absolutely love the way you turned that thing on its head the way you did. So, And I'm glad that you set this thing up, because now we can get to the meat of the thing before I let you go. But when you yeah. look at where you started and you look at where you are right now, and I want to, again, lay this out. You are a hugely successful entrepreneur. You have bo- built multiple companies from zero to nine figures. You are a best-selling author. You're a sought-out speaker. You are an enormous podcaster. In short, you're a pretty big fucking deal and pretty <laughs> fucking rich, I might add. Yet, uh, thank you. yet. I want to say this, Andy. You you will insist, yeah, but the thing is, I'm not special. I'm really no. not that different than any of you. And to no. which I would say, I mean, Andy, really? Like, could you have built what you built and created what you've created if you were not special or unique in some way? I mean, you are really different from us, right? Um, no, I don't think so. I think, I, I you know, dude, I was never good at anything. So, like... I, the only thing I was good at was sports, and that's because I was bigger and faster than most people. It wasn't that I had, like, earned it. You know what I mean? Um, so I had never – it's kind of hard to explain because, like, the way you're saying it, yeah, like, it's easy to believe that. But it's not the truth. The truth is I, I literally systemized everything in my life to where I figured out how to be effective. And I just follow that plan every single day. And this is a plan that anybody can do. Um, it's, and I've seen it. You know, I, we have, Ed and I have our syndicate where we have, you know, thousands of entrepreneurs. And I've seen these guys come in feeling like, and girls too, feeling like, you know, they don't have the special thing. And then when they start executing it, they become special. And I think that's more how it works than not. I think a lot of people look at the, end, the people who have been through and executed and become, you know, the example of what other people want to do, and, and they think, oh, man, they're special. But they're special now. They weren't special when they started. And that's what people have to remember. All of the skills that, that, that you learn through the process, they all really come from one thing, and that's not quitting. It's showing up every single day. It's executing on the critical tasks. And if you do that long enough, what happens is everybody else who's competing with you in the beginning falls off. And so five, six, seven years down the road, you're kind of standing alone. And, and now you're moving and everybody else who's starting, you've created this massive gap. So that's how I look at it. I don't see it as a special gift or talent. Um, and in fact, I know it's not because when I don't execute, guess what happens? Things get shitty. So I don't, I don't believe that it's a special talent. I, I, I just think it's, I believe it's, a, it's, it's executing on a plan. I think I, it's that simple. I think there's something to this. I really do, Andy. I mean, like, I posed the question to you, and, and, and I do think that you are unique in a certain way, a different kind of way, but I think what you say is totally true. Like, I think about even when I was coming up, the one thing that I had, and Ed and I talked about this when I went on his podcast, I also thought that I was not in any way unique or exceptional or different, and I kept mm-hmm. thinking to myself, okay, so why you? Why you? Why you? What's different about you? And then I realized what had to be different was my mindset and my approach and maybe content. But what I did realize, and I think you figured this out too, it's a war of attrition, right? Like when I got out of college, we all had the same dream. We're all going to be rich. We're all going to go to the network. We're all going to make it. But then when you see your friends outside the industry are in fact making it and you're not, you're like, you know what, man? It was a pipe dream. It wasn't meant to be. And then you'd see one guy drop off and then another drop off. And I think to myself, 
I just got to outlast him, man. It's a war of attrition. You just have to stay in the fight somehow, some way. But the one thing that I've always been amazed by, and you've spent the last 20 years figuring out how to master mental toughness. I've always been fascinated by that topic. I've always wanted to be tougher mentally. You've learned. I'm curious, what have you learned in the last two decades of studying the topic? How critical is mental toughness for your success and really your entire life? I think it's the most important factor that you have to develop. I think there's a couple things that can be said about mental toughness. Um, the guy that's the mentally toughest or the girl that's mentally toughest is going to reap the biggest rewards. I've just not observed that to be untrue in any circumstance. If you go to the, the NFL or if you go to the NBA or if you go to business or go to any of these places, the people who are at the top are badass motherfuckers, and they're not there by accident. And so the second thing that people have to understand about this is that you can't look at people that, that are mentally tough. You know, a lot of people look at these guys like Goggins and uh, Jocko and, uh, you know, uh, Iron Cowboy who just did 100 uh, triathlons in 100 days in a row. These guys built that. They built that mental capacity. And a lot of people will look at people who have that mental capacity and they see it as a character trait and not a skill. And it's actually a skill because I can tell you for sure, dude, I was the softest dude ever when I was in my teenage years. I, I, thought, I, was, I thought I was tough, but it wasn't. I was, just, I was just faster and bigger than people. It wasn't until I got to be in my 30s I started trying to think um, how I could traditionally develop myself. And so I went out and like looked at all these different books. And there wasn't, there wasn't anything out there that was like teaching how to do this or what it was about. And so I sort of set, set out on my own journey to figure it out. Um, but at the end of the day, man, the biggest thing about mental toughness that people have to realize is that it encompasses the traits of things like grit, fortitude, perseverance, you know, self-confidence, self-belief. You know, people don't think about these things. Nobody's going to believe in you in the beginning. And it's not because, and we see this right, you know, everybody who's just starting out, I got all these haters and nobody believes in me. Yeah, motherfucker, because you haven't done anything yet. Nobody believes in people that haven't done anything. They'll believe in you after you've done it. And you won't need their belief at that point. So the biggest thing that people have to understand is, one, it's extremely important, probably the most important skill that you can have for life. Because, dude, as we know, we don't know what's going to happen today or tomorrow or next week. We have to be prepared to handle these unknown uh, circumstances and still move forward. And that, that all relates to being mentally tough. So the, the main thing I want people to, to get from this is that no matter where you are, no matter what you feel, no matter what you think of yourself, you can develop mental toughness by doing certain things over the course of time, just like you can build a muscle, just like you can get better at running, just like you can improve your knowledge by reading you can improve your mental toughness muscle by doing certain things as well. Like, for instance, what are those things? Like, Andy, I know where you're going with this, but like I look at yeah. Goggins, right? Goggins, for instance, mm -hmm. 
You know, I mean, he's like, you cannot get anywhere without suffering. And I look at Goggins, and I look at his lifestyle, and I look at the way he works out, and I understand where he would be mentally tough. Now, if you're somebody right. who's listening right now going, yeah, man, but I can't work out eight hours a day. I've got responsibilities. I've got obligations. I've got a nine-to-five. I want to be mentally tougher. You're saying to me, if you do certain things and you do them consistently, you will become mentally tougher. What things? How do we get mentally tougher? Well, the biggest idea of, of creating mental toughness is, and what I've found, is keeping your word to yourself, okay? Like, if you tell yourself on Sunday night, hey, man, I'm going to train tomorrow, I'm getting on my diet tomorrow, all right, and then you don't, you start to lose faith in yourself. You lose belief in yourself. Just as if I came to you and I said, hey, Jim, I'll do your show, and then I canceled four times. Eventually, you're going to say, well, fuck that guy. You know what I mean? I'm, he's not going to do my show. <laughs> so this is what people do to themselves. And so then they can't understand why they don't like themselves. Well, you don't like yourself because you're unable to hold the promises that you make to yourself. How we think about ourselves when we go to bed at night, when we look in the mirror and say, hey, did we do what we said we were going to do or did we fuck off? Those are the things that contribute to how you feel about yourself. It's not some hashtag or you know, some movement. It's actually keeping the word to ourselves. So the main thing people have to understand is like, if you tell yourself something inside your brain, you need to do everything you can to make that happen. And you need to break this down on a day-by-day basis. Um, one of the things that I've done is I wrote a book called 75 Hard. I created a program called 75 Hard. And, it, you know, it's, it's pretty well known. But basically, the, the gist of the program is to create a non-compromising internal voice that does not allow you to not do the things you tell yourself you're going to do. So it's about conditioning your brain to follow through on everything you say you're going to do and to do so on a daily basis, not over the course of time. It's small, simple tasks. For example, in the program, one of the tasks is to drink a gallon of water every single day. That sounds easy, but it's actually not. And, and what happens is, you know, and this is how we end up in a place we don't want to be, Right. Let's say we tell ourselves, all right, I'm going, to drink, I'm going to drink a gallon. And I could go through the whole program, bro, but it would take a while. But I'll just use the water, for example. For the first three days, I drink the full gallon of water. On the fourth day, I drink three-quarters of the gallon. And then I say, ah, that's good enough. Then on the fifth day, I drink three-quarters of a gallon again. And I'm like, ah, that's good enough. And then on the sixth day, it's half a gallon. And so what happens is these little bitty compromises that we make end up creating a life that we don't want. And so one of the biggest ideas about, around mental toughness is do not compromise on the promises you make to yourself, ever. And if you can create a scenario where you've empowered, and so I believe this, one of the concepts I talk about in the book is having a boss voice and a bitch voice, okay? And we all have it. We have a voice that empowers us, that tells us what we should do, that says, hey, bro, you're fat. You need to do this. And it tells you the things that you, it's all the things we know we should inherently do. That's the boss voice. Then you have what's called the bitch voice. That's the voice that fucks with all of us. That's the voice that keeps us where we are. It tells us it's okay. It's all right. Next time we'll get it. And it starts to water down our actions by justifying less than. So this is the voice that we need to squash while simultaneously building up the boss voice. For example, 
on this is how this works. And I used this up this uh, example on a podcast just the other day. I was doing the elliptical the other day, and I, I got to 45 minutes, and I said, all right, I'll do a full hour. Well, and, and this is in my head. This is not something I said out loud. I said it in my head. I said, all right, do a full hour. So I did, I went from 45 to 55, and then I said, oh, that's good enough. You were only going to do 45. You said you're going to do an hour. You still did 55. That's still a win. I got off the elliptical. I walked three feet away from the elliptical, and my voice said, you're a fucking bitch. Get back on the elliptical and finish what the fuck you started. And I did. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about catching ourselves, developing our internal dialogue to where we literally cannot cut corners anymore. And whenever you become that and you've created that, you are such an advantage over everybody else because everybody else is not looking for the hard way. They're looking for the way that's going to get it done most efficiently, uh, quickest, easiest, most convenient, because that's what we've been conditioned to have over the last 30 years. You know, you know this. The idea of us being told hard work is good, grit's good, fortitude is good, those things are good. That shit went out the window 30 years ago. So really, man, it's just conditioning your brain to, you know, when God talks about suffering, to suffer through the commitments that you make to yourself. And then after you get done, you say, hey, all right, that was what I was supposed to do. And your stock in yourself starts to rise. You see what I'm saying? I do, man. Preach. Yeah. And I, I know exactly what you're saying. I get on that Peloton. I do the same thing, man. Like yeah. 60 minutes is the goal. And then you get to 50 or 55. You're like, hey, you know what? Really deep down 45 was the goal. So I really, uh, I overachieved. I went 10 extra yeah. minutes. When you know you're lying to yourself. Like this is the exactly. whole point. Your point is stop negotiating with yourself on things that are non-negotiable. I mean, Andy, like there's two things here. There's the program 75 hard. And then there's the book 75 hard the program mm-hmm. itself how much does that cost and where can they find it it's free man uh i made this program free because when i i've been fortunate man i've done very well financially so it's not something i to me this was something so valuable that i needed people to not have an objection to, to look at it and so um i made a podcast that explains it, and you can listen to it. It's episode 14 on Real AF, which is in the business category of iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you can also go to 75hard.com. It'll lay it all out for you. You can read about it. So the cool thing about the program is it's completely free. There's no obligation. You don't have to buy any nutritional products. There's literally zero obligation. Now, if you want a more in-depth description of exactly how this works, the book is, you know, I think it's like 20 bucks or something on, on my website, andypercella.com. Um, but I don't sell on Amazon. I don't sell on, on, on these other places. It's only on my website. So the program is free. You're giving it away. I want to ask you something really quickly before you go. You yeah. subscribe to a theory, Andy, that I think is so important. And it's something, it's a battle that I understand, but I do not always win. And this is this notion that the mind has to be stronger than your feelings, except you put it a little more bluntly in a recent post. You said, quote, show the fuck up for yourself and give it everything you got regardless of your feeling, end of quote. Can you lay that out for me, man? I think that is so important that your mind has to be stronger than your feelings. I mean, has anybody ever achieved anything that mattered without successfully winning that battle? No, I don't think so. I mean, look, dude, anything that's been achieved that's any 
bit of uh, worthiness of talking about in the history of Earth, whether that's, you know, uh, a social victory or a sports victory or anything legendary, anything, suck to do. It sucks. So we have to understand that, and, and dude, this is a whole other thing that we should go down, but, like, dude, a lot of people like this really fluffy motivation. They want to feel good because, you know, oh, you're enough or, oh, you're great. Or you're this or that. Well, the truth is, uh, unless you're out actually doing this shit, you're not. And so what I try to tell people is stay away from the, the, the bullshit motivation and start looking for ways to be disciplined. Because being disciplined is doing the things that you need to do regardless of how you feel about it. Look, man, Kobe Bryant didn't want to get up at 3 a.m. and go shoot fucking three free throws. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what he did regardless of his feelings. When we talk about anybody great, when we talk about legendary people, no matter who they are or what they did or what they accomplished, all of them have this in common. All of them are able to execute regardless of how they're feeling. Look at Michael Jordan in the flu game. You know what I'm saying? Like these championship caliber people are people who execute regardless of how they're feeling mentally or physically. They just get shit done, and they get it done to a high level. Let me ask you and this. That's where people should be focused on trying to get to, not focused on the idea of, hey, I just can't find the motivation to work out. No, you don't need the motivation. You need a fucking discipline. I mean, Andy, for instance, like if somebody were to say to you, yeah, man, yeah, 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 yeah. But, 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 you're different. It's different for me, man. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so fucked up. I'm so far gone. What's the point? I could never get there. It would take forever. I mean, you hear this. What do you tell those yeah. people? Look, man, one foot at a time, you know, one step at a time. Um, I think it's a nat- – I was at 350 pounds, uh, and I've struggled my weight my whole life. So I've gone up and down between fit and fat a number of times. 2015, I was 350 pounds. It was the heaviest I'd ever been. Um, I, Andy, what are you right now? I, I sent you a message the other day when you were in the gym. I'm like, dude, you look fucking incredible. If you were 350 in 2015, what do you weigh now? Uh, I'm right about 260 right now. Pretty, pretty lean 260. Yeah, you are. For sure yeah. you are. Thanks, so finish bro. that thought. But, yeah, I appreciate it. No, I'm, I, fuck, what were we talking about? That you've gone up and down. When I've said, if oh, somebody yeah. were to say to you, man, it's just, I yeah. cannot do it. It's impossible. I have too far to yeah, go. Well, Why bother? They, First of all, it's not true. That your your bitch voice has become so strong that you believe it, and you got to you got to try to find that counterbalance. But here's what I would say to somebody like that: I understand what that's like. I understand what it's like to be standing at the bottom of the mountain and looking at the top and saying, "Holy shit, this I've created such a massive problem here. There's no way I'm going to be able to tackle it." When when I was 350, dude, I, I was uh, 36, and I legitimately thought there was no way I could ever get fit again. No way. I believe that. I knew that I had to at least try. And I tried one day at a time. And I broke it down from, you know, we've all heard the saying, right? How do you eat an elephant? You eat it one bite at a time. And I broke it down into daily goals. You know, not, not lose 110 pounds the first year, which is what I ended up doing by setting daily goals. But, um, but, yeah, man, I understand what it feels like to be against insurmountable odds. But the truth of the matter is 
it's as simple as taking it one day at a time and one step at a time. And, and that's frustrating because people, you know, we're used to easy. We're used to fast. You know, in real life, if we want to get to the top of the mountain these days, people take a helicopter. You know, it's not it's, – it's, we have a cultural shift that's happened that's gone away from the idea of earning what we have to people that have it are somehow more advantaged than us. And that's just not really true in most cases. In most cases, it's the, it's the effect of our choices. So for somebody right now who's sitting out there and they're thinking, man, I can never do this, it's going to be hard, uh, you know, it's impossible. Well, you're right. You're right on one of the three. It's going to be hard as fuck. But here's what I will say. Dude, I personally would trade. I would do what I've done the last five or six years, which is work really hard every single day. I would do it a thousand times over if I would have known what, it, what I got out of it. Like if you would have said, this is what you're going to get out of it, I, I would have I done it a thousand times. Like, for real, dude. And I think that's what people have to just trust in and have faith in. The, result, the results are exponentially worth the effort. Listen, dude, I, I, I believe that. The 75 yeah. hard, they have to. Like you said, it would take a while to lay out what the program is. I know what the program is. It's not for everybody, man. It's hard. No. There's a reason why yeah. it's 75 hard. But if you follow right. the program, and I have it in full, full disclosure, I have not yet followed the entire program. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason is it's fucking hard, dude. Yeah. It looks yeah. hard. But I could see whereby if I did exactly what you said and I did not deviate, it would be life-changing. So let me finally ask you this. I mean, easy to be motivated, Andy, when you're starving, literally, and mm-hmm. sleeping on a piss-stained mattress. But how do you maintain that edge and that drive because it's coming through the phone still when you have achieved your wildest dreams, when you have the homes, you have the cars, you have the dream lady, you have the private jets. How do you maintain that same edge, that same drive, that same motivation when you're not starving anymore? Well, I think that has to do with just how big your vision is. So one of the things that I had to realize, um, that I realized through a really uh, kind of a weird situation uh, I got pneumonia a few years back, and I was at home for three weeks. And when I was at home, I was checking my sales. I was At that time, you know, I was making more money than I'd ever made in my life. And my life was good. I had a nice house. I had, I had all the stuff that comes with being what people think is successful. Uh, but I was miserable, dude. I'm sitting at home, and I was like, fuck. And I remember thinking specifically, this is, I remember thinking, I'm like, fuck. This is why rich people kill themselves. Because I didn't have a purpose. And, it, and, it, and I was sitting at home, and it, it kind of all hit me at once. And what happened was I went immediately from that it was about me to it was about my people. And, and I, started, I started to think about the people who, you know, who have now been with me 15, 16 years. Um, I want them to win. I want them. You know, I met Steve Wozniak one time, dude, and he said something to me that stuck with me. He's co-founder of Apple, as you know. Um, he said, you know, I said, Steve, what, what was the most proud thing that you had in your, in your whole career with Apple? And he said, man, he said, you know, and, and Steve gave away most of his money. People don't realize that. Um, he said, you know, when I left Apple HQ and I would drive home, um, I would drive past this neighborhood and it was filled with $5 million houses. And every single person that lived in that, in, the, in that neighborhood was an Apple employee. He's like, that's what I was most proud of. And dude, that just stuck with me, you know? And 
So I switched my purpose from, I did two things. One, I switched my purpose from myself and what I could gain for myself and my family to what I could help these people gain. That was the first thing. The second thing was I had to remind myself that there's still guys out there that are eating my lunch every single day. There's still nights. There's Bezoses. There's fucking all these dudes out there. And I know it sounds crazy because most people don't know who I am. And everybody knows who those guys are. But I compare myself to those guys. And I know, I know that sounds insane. But when I compare myself to those guys, I haven't done shit yet. And so that keeps me motivated. That keeps me hungry. It keeps me wanting to show up and innovate and create new things. Um, just by standing next to someone who is better than me mentally. You know what I mean? And so that's what I try to do to create that scenario at this point in time. Last thing, right before you picked up the phone, I checked your social media account, your Instagram story, and you had posted the fact that you carry a football with you almost wherever you go in a yeah. bag. Why do you do that? Uh, well, my dream always growing up was to, to play in, in the NFL. And, uh, you know, I was a good player. I wasn't, I wasn't great. Uh, I got recruited by a lot of Division One schools and went on some visits and stuff. Um, but ultimately... I didn't have people that believed in me outside of my own dad um, who always believed in me. And even when I didn't believe in myself, you know, I was, I would go on these visits, dude, and I was recruited to play running back and fullback. And, you know, there was these guys at, at the time, they were 260 pounds and they were bench pressing 400 pounds for reps. And I was just this fat, soft 17 year old kid. And so I, I looked at these guys and I said, dude, there's no way I'm ever going to become this. There's no way it's going to happen. And so I fell into the thing of, uh, you know, not believing in myself. I started smoking a lot of weed. I got into, you know, girlfriends and shit like that. And I just decided I wasn't going to do it. And, uh, and that was a big, that was a big, that was the only thing in my life that was ever a true dream that I actually quit on. And I carry it with me now. And I had nightmares about that, dude. I would wake up in the middle of the night and have nightmares about, uh, well, they would be dreams, right? Like, I would have these dreams of playing ball, but when I woke up, it was a nightmare because it was just a dream. And, and that, that really, I can remember hundreds of times waking up with that, with that mental torture. And so I carry the football now with me to remind me of how it feels when I, don't, when I quit on myself. And so I carry it with me to make sure that no matter how hard it gets, no matter how frustrating it gets, no matter how painful it gets, um, to keep going. And because I don't ever want to feel that again. I, I can handle losing. I can handle getting beat. I can't handle quitting on myself. And so that, that's why I carry the ball. My man, from a selfish standpoint, I can't tell you how happy I am to finally have come together with you, to have met you. I can't tell you how much I appreciate, Andy, the time that you spent. Time is money. You just gave us 45 minutes of amazing information and passion and energy and motivation. Dude, you are the absolute best. I mean, it means the absolute world to me, and I know I speak for a lot of people listening. Man, I cannot thank you enough for your time and all the insight and the energy. Bro, total honor, man. Uh, I've been a big fan for, for years and years and years. Uh, one of the things I was telling my brother right before we hopped on the phone is how much I've always respected the fact that you tell the truth um, and, and the, your, your fire and your passion for the truth and everything the way you present yourself. So 
it's, it's a total honor for me to be on the show, brother. Trust me when I tell you that. No, I appreciate you so much. It's an honor for me even to hear that, and I wanted to plug into you, and I wanted to get some of that energy transfer, and I got it, man. I feel like I could run through a fucking wall right now. I don't know <laughs> when you're coming to California, man, or I'll, I'll just invite myself to St. Louis, but we got to come no. together, you, me, and Ed. Let's, let's do a show, man. I'd love to have you on my show. Oh, I'd love to do that, dude. Love that. Be honored. Would be honored yeah. to do that. Yeah, let's do that. I'll have my, I'll have a, we'll get that going. All right, you got it, Andy. Listen, I appreciate you so much, man. Thank you very, very much for that. It was amazing. All right, thanks, Jim. As mentioned, just like the title of his popular podcast suggests, my man is real AF. And clearly, Andy Frisella is not just talking about some theory he learned or studied or pulled out of his backside. This dude has lived this life. This dude nearly lost his life. And then when that happened, he wasn't sure he wanted to continue in this life. But he got leverage on himself and his mind and his thoughts and consequently his actions. And he did so by figuring out that the universe does not just decide who the select few are that get to win big. That's not how the universe works. It's not a matter of fate or luck or you being one of the chosen few. You decide yourself. Andy Frisella is a perfect example of this. His own teachers and society told him growing up that you're not one of the chosen ones. In fact, you really aren't much at all. And you're not going to amount to anything at all. To which he responded, fuck you. Watch me. I'm going to win. And he did. And he still is. Daily. Again, I know this might be a little abrasive for some of you, but my man is running on some high-grade rocket fuel. And not only do I not see anything wrong with it, I wish that he would bottle it and sell it. Better yet, he's actually just giving it away. He's actually telling you how he went from sleeping on a piss-stained mattress in a tiny storefront to this extraordinary success and life. And best of all, he insists he really is not that special. He really is not that different from the rest of us. That the thing that makes him uncommon, if anything, is the very thing that all successful people have in common. Namely, discipline, structure, mental toughness, a plan, a commitment to that plan, and an obsession with executing that plan. That's the freaking secret. The freaking secret is, there is no secret, no hack, no shortcut. And if you'll allow me just one or four more F-bombs, this fucking dude just does the fucking work every fucking day. And personally, that is exactly the shot of adrenaline that I needed this week. Go to this dude's Instagram feed. Look at him. He weighed 350 not that long ago. He's now a shredded 260 and looks absolutely incredible because he does the work and lives the disciplined life. Every freaking day. This is a self-made dude. No one ever gave him anything. Now these phrases are thrown around and hashtagged way too frequently. But Andy Frisella truly is an example of what we're all capable of if we commit to that grit and grind lifestyle. Keyword is commit. Not five days a week, but seven days a week. Every week, every year. Maybe you don't end up with the private jet and the multiple mansions, but do that and you are guaranteed to live a life not only way beyond what you're currently living, but way beyond your dreams. And who knows, maybe you do end up with that jet and the mansion, or maybe you end up with something even more valuable than all that. 
the ability to influence everyone you come in contact with and change the world around you. If this is an episode that resonates with you, hit Andy up and let him know that, and please share it with anybody who you think might benefit from it. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review because that obviously always helps. In the meantime, stay on it, keep pounding, keep grinding, and I will see you next time right here on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Have an amazing week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.